0: What's good, sports
1: fans? Welcome to another edition of the Sports Q&A Podcast. I'm Q And I'm A. And we're here. We survived the first week of March Madness, but did you, a better yet question, (laughs) did your bracket survive? I
0: think mine is holding
1: on by three. Yeah, and mine, see, this is the thing. I went back retro. And for the last two years, I had done one bracket. This year, I did three brackets, not intentionally. So, you know, if you don't fill out your brackets immediately, you leave your stuff out there. And then, of course, you forget to that Thursday and you got to make sure everything's in by 12. So my bracket for my work bracket is almost totally different, at least in the, not the final four, but how to get to the final four. and. Uh, I'm in a different place than I am in other brackets, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Fresh off the press, not even completing the regular season of the AAF, it smells like there's a little fire and the fire may be smothered out permanently for the AAF. Reports came out today that the AAF is trying to rely on the NFL Players Association to allow NFL players to play in the AAF in order to survive. What is this saying about this league that before the regular season is over, and I believe they still have one more regular season game before the playoffs, what is that saying? Can this league survive? Can any league survive against the NFL? Without having stupid backing, and while they're trying to build their brand,
0: I guess my question is, is what is the need or cause for the reliance of NFLPA? So, okay, these practice league players, uh, the 52nd, the 50th hard player on the ro on the NFL roster to be able to play in this league is it because they think they're not getting the viewership? Is it because they're not being able to fill out the rosters um, with talent? I mean, you is it? I'm I'm confused actually with this whole situation because you really I, I don't think it's a matter of players. I mean, you could pull from the Arena League and some of these other semi-pro leagues who have, who may have players that have some NFL experience, even if it was a training camp invite or something like that. So I've yet, in some of the articles I've looked up, I've yet to really find the explanation as to why they're looking to the NFL for the help. It's like, this is a quote from Tom Dunn, the the big money guy that made a a $250 million donation to help sustain the league, he he made this quote. If the player's union is not not going to give us young players, we can't be a developmental league. We are looking at our options, one of which is discontinuing the league. So, I mean, if you're basing the, the sustainability of the league because it's on being a developmental league, Shouldn't
1: you have already established that before you created the league? Yeah, you, you definitely should have established that, but I think while their claim to fame is spring football, the unofficial um, development league for the NFL, the majority of the players are the, uh, uh, in the AFF are not guys who are going to transition to the NFL. So with that, your business plan may set, may need to be set up in a way is that the first year is a stopgap. And then our next year, what we do is we have a full advantage of guys who do not get picked up, uh, get drafted, or get signed, or doesn't stick around with an NFL team that... We can bring these guys on. And as a player, would I rather be on the NFL team practice roster, not getting any reps, or being able to be seen on TV in the Spring League and potentially being able to get more shine? Because we've seen some players who didn't get an opportunity in the NFL roster be able to get some shine by getting the reps. So the thing is, is that with the business plan, and again, I think announcing that this is one of the options is trying to get people to force their hands because at the end of the day, the way that they're going to make money in the beginning is advertising. And, I mean, if you look at these teams, before the AFF, how many of these guys who are marketed as the mainstay player, the marquee player on each team that you know of? Not
0: that... And full, and that's total.
1: Exactly. Um, and, that,
0: and that's going back, I guess, that's going back to their college days, not, not not even necessarily the time in NFL, where you could say, okay, this guy at least made a NFL roster for one or two years. These were guys that didn't even make it through training camp with a few teams a couple years. So, I mean, it's, it's just it's, – it's a with – a precarious situation, and and maybe like you were saying, the hardest hurdle, the, the toughest hurdle to get over is this first year because you don't have the, the ability to say I can pull, undrafted, some of these undrafted players that thought oh a, a ton of guys that declared for the NFL draft stayed in the NFL draft and figured okay I'm gonna get drafted. Ended up undrafted, maybe even got invited to rookie camp, but still weren't good enough. Those are where you're hoping the bulk of these players for the league could come into, and hope that you can get some guys that have some some college notoriety, college names to to attach themselves to. But it looks like you may not even get to that that point. You may not the league may not even be able to. Sustained to get to that point. So it's just, it's interesting. And what does this say for the excess fail and whatever other league that comes behind it? Are you going to have enough players, especially now when you look at the excess fail, they're scraping the barrel even further. Cause you figure, okay, if the AAF who's already in existence is struggling to, to attract players of a certain caliber, what are they going to do? Because now you're pulling from the NFL, then the AAF, if it happens to sustain, and some other two good leagues. You're not going to have the the wherewithal to... You're going to have the same issue with that league.
1: Yeah, the, and that's the thing is, the Exaville actually seems to be more of an advantage because they're at a wait-and-see yeah, the, we have our game plan on paper, but we're seeing and learning from the AFF and their errors. I mean, it could be enough to spread itself thin. And again, you're talking to somebody who is two years NFL free. And week week one, bless you, week one and week two, I was watching. Number one, I was watching to see if it was going to be a gimmick or football. And it's football. Mm-hmm. It's football, and we talked about this before, but it's not good football. Uh, Across the board, you have some good individual plays. You have some some good individual performances on one side of the ball or the other, and defense seems to be running the show in this league, but that's kind of how it is when you have all these pieces together that haven't had a lot of time to work together. But at the end of the day... The sustaining piece is a pipeline of knowing that favorite players or recognizable players from somewhere. Now, either the AFF can change their design to be, hey, we are the official league of, I hate to say it this way, washed up NFL players. (laughs) It's going to be name brand because you're going to know these guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the product may be better because these guys are veterans and they know how to do stuff. And maybe the talent level in the NFL was just too much, but this talent pool of mittlers, as I call, as I would call them, would maybe add to it. It just depends on what they have to offer. Because I mean, I don't know what the average salary is in AFF, but are they offering more than I was? Assume they're offering more than uh, a practice uh, a practice squad guy. Um. Welcome back to this episode of Sports Q&A Podcast. Now we're going here to talk about what everybody wants to talk about and has been talking about for the last week and that is the bracket. We have had quite an interesting two weeks. Maybe not as exciting two weeks as we have had in the past. Maybe not as chalk-free as we've had in the past. But it's arguably that this has been, or this is one of the best collections of Sweet 16 teams there's been in a long time. But before we go in and dig in and give you our opinion on, on every region, Quinn, what was your favorite part of week one? What um,
0: I guess, and this is going to be something that a lot of people may not agree with, and we were going to talk about it in a second, how most of this stuff has gone chalk. I mean, we had the, maybe one or two 12-5 uh, upsets, but everything else is really gone according to plan. We saw Ohio State beat Iowa State. um but for the most part, everything has held true, almost to the detriment of my bracket. Um, I think it's one of those things where you find yourself, and you—if you watch ESPN or CBS Sports—the the post uh, bracket conversations, everybody has these thought processes. Oh, you at least got to have a five twelve upset. You got to have this upset. You got to have this upset, or uh, one of the. Every year since its inception, one of the teams that has made – has come from the play-in games has made it to the second weekend until this year, and I fell for that. Um, I had Belmont – no, I didn't. I take that back. I almost fell for it. I had Belmont almost beating uh, Maryland, which played out to be a closer game than what a lot of people expected, but – they, the, the Terrapins still held on in advance to LSU and lost in the close game. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. There really weren't too many major upsets. I mean, we saw UC Irvine beat Kansas State. So that was the biggest one of The before losing to a 13 seed. But everywhere else, it was kind of, I expected this or we could see this coming. I mean, even the Oregon beating Wisconsin, I think this was a matter of a team in the Ducks that lost one of its better players midway through the regular season. It took some time to get used to playing without ball, ball. And now they're, I mean, they they were that team that got hot towards the end of the season, won this conference tournament, played itself into the tournament by winning the Tag 12 in their transition. Whereas we talked about it off air, how another team, Villanova, did the same thing and it didn't trans it didn't transcend as well as they thought. They got past Saint Mary in the closer game, but then failed to Purdue in in horrible favor, eighty seven to sixty one. So I think that was the biggest thing to answer your question was the the lack of the true upset this year.
1: Yeah, the you know, the lowest seed in the sweet sixteen is a twelve. Um we almost had some some action, and I was upset because it aligned with my bracket was Liberty and Virginia Tech because until five minutes left in that game, actually three, it was really in question. And again, uh, I didn't have Virginia Tech winning that game. The first game against St. Louis, so uh, it really it really would have done that. But I think it's you know. I mean, you have matchups one against four, two against three, one against four, two against three, uh, one against 12, two against three, one against five, two against three. That's crazy. I can't remember the last time where that's where the matchups were, but I think this year that teams have set themselves up and the the cream has has risen to the top. And I think that's what you want to see as a college basketball fan. Yeah, we had... Two SEC teams. We got three ACC teams. We got three Big Ten teams. Surprisingly, we have a Pac-12 team. Then we got Gonzaga. We got... Uh, no, we got four ACC teams. My bad. Sorry. Five. Yeah. Uh, Virginia, Texas, th- Virginia,
0: Virginia, uh,
1: Florida State, and North Carolina. Yeah. So, you know, the power the power conferences are representing well. The conferences that were the deepest... Are doing well. Uh, and I think that that, that bodes well. I th- but, you know, the, I think the biggest thing when it comes to the brackets are people who are picking things that not necessarily what they want or think. I mean, think of what's going to happen, but what they want to happen to win and outmaneuver other people in their bracket challenges. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to outthink people. I mean, because in all reality, I think this year more than ever, probably because of lack of watching football, I probably watched more college basketball than I probably did since high school. And I've saw, I saw literally at least 35 teams that were in the tournament play a complete game. But I've watched out of the sweet 16 teams. I think every team with the exception of Oregon and Oregon, I've seen these teams play at least four or five times. Of course, Michigan way more than that. But I've watched these teams, and you know, I've stopped and, and done that. So it, th- these are the better, the best teams. You really don't have those the true Cinderella. The, I mean, it's crazy that Oregon is the Cinderella in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, uh, or you, you look at a team like
0: Auburn, which won its conference, is. What you have
1: to consider out of that, out of
0: that bracket in the Midwest, there's a Cinderella as
1: a 5D. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I, to me it's been really entertaining. No really one shining moment. Um, the Duke game was definitely, in my opinion, the best game. Uh it's a game of inches. And leave it at that. Miss Aliu, Miss Tip would have could have gone a totally different way. And then we really could have been talking about a Cinderella, but, um, uh, just when you're looking at all, I to say, where was all that? When you had an amazing blue brother, but, um, but just, <laughs> right. Just the performances that we've seen and, you know, Zion as advertised, the, the man child does it. Uh, Uh, Of course, Aubrey, uh, Dawkins, and and Edwards from Purdue. You know, Carson Edwards. Edwards, uh, You know, just putting on performances. And that's what you live for. And that's the thing is, it's going to be very interesting when you have these close matchups in, in, in the round of 16, which of the players are going to step up. I mean, just looking at teams that don't have necessarily star players, but have a whole lot of good players like Michigan. Who's going to step up if anybody, and I'm saying that with a big, if who's going to step up in that, in that, in that time when it's time to shine. So, um, but you have a lot of guys and a lot of teams that really, uh, it's just going to be, it's going to be good to watch. But before we get in and start breaking down the, the regions and giving our picks. Uh, and I'm not going to create the rule that we have to stick to what our brackets say, because we've been able to see teams play. So not going to hold you to that, because we both may be stuck like Chuck. But just going to give you a quick ranking of the Sports Q&A uh, ESPN Tournament Challenge, uh, starting from bottom to top. At number 10, Kofi for WWE Champion. Number nine, old school bracket. Number eight, watch for the upset. Number six, tie for six. Buster brackets and one bracketeer. Uh, number five, Shiloh Saints. Number four, Bmg. Um, tie for two. Rich Brown and Mrs. Bracketologist. And number one, and the kiss. I'm not going to state. Oh. Don't, don't be like that i'm not going to stay between <laughs> between the two of us where we stand but we still of course everybody that is in our bracket they still even with team, people who are way lower than uh than other teams everybody's champion is still in in contention which is crazy That's how top heavy the NCAA has been. Like, people really want to push forward. I mean, I heard something on the radio today. You could do a Sweet 16 of coaches, and this Sweet 16 is here. You got some legendary coaches. You got some of the top of the field of coaches in the game, and the coaches' Sweet 16 may not end up being the same as if their team, if it was their team. And that's where you know because you know in game in in the tournament coaching plays a much bigger part than talent. Talent will get you there, coach will get you over the hump. And it's going to be interesting going through. But with that, we about to just go right on into the bracket and we're going to start in I don't even know which one this is. And we're going to start in uh, the East in the east uh, Duke yes no I don't know it's not telling me which one it is it got to be the East yes, yes. Yeah. so in yes, the, east, yes, yes, the east so in the east we have Duke versus Virginia Tech uh, a rematch from ACC uh conference uh Virginia Tech does have a win against Duke uh without Zion uh a rubber match between these two we're just gonna get right into it what are your thoughts on this matchup? Does Virginia Tech have a chance? I think that's the question to, to ask.
0: I mean, they have a chance, but will it matter is the question. I think uh, when you look at Duke, just short of them going ice cold from three, I don't see Virginia Tech in particular being able to slow down the component part of Duke, in addition to letting Zion get his. And when I say get his, I mean going for 25 on you know, some absurd shooting percentage and having 8-10 to 10 rebounds and 4-6. Only way I can see Virginia Tech winning this game is if they let, and this is, I think, is the, 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 the mindset for a lot of teams, if I was a coach, Is let Zion get his, but limit RJ Barrett, limit um, all these other guys, Cam Reddish, uh, uh, Jones, all these guys, they're not going to beat me. And I mean, not get above 15 points, beat me. Right. Um, But I don't see that happening. that, That team is just, Zion is so dangerous where you have to kind of put your focus on him, and someone else is
1: going to eventually hit open shot. Yeah, the, the the thing with Duke is they're not necessarily a good three-point shooting team. So if you, in your perfect storm, say, hey, we're going to let Zion get what he gets and force everybody else to beat us and force him to shoot threes, that's your recipe for the recipe that you have to win. Uh, of course, Virginia Tech, it may be without a player, Ty Outlaw, who got – Charged with a misdemeanor, having weed, dummy. Uh, again, he's a, he's a he's a he's a forward. Again, he's not battling with Zion being on six 6'6 and two twenty, but he does provide rebounds and points, and uh, averaging eight point seven and five point four rebounds. So it you know that will be a challenge to fill that gap for them. But I just think that right now, uh, just Virginia Tech is going to fall short. Uh, with that whatever they need to do. Unless, again, Duke has a cold uh, a cold uh, night from the field, and that's the one thing with Duke is they have the talent, but they do not have the shooters uh, on a consistent basis to feel like it's just a, a, a given. I mean, we all saw what happened with UCF. If you have a player that can, can match them and force them to do different things. They can get a different result than what they want. So on the other side of the East, you have number two, Michigan State versus LSU. In, in this matchup, I think I may have had a different thought process if the coach was still there. But this game, to me, is going to come down to coaching. Izzo is the tactician. He's a little... The the second... I, I call him a rat just by his intense face. Uh, like Coach K. But... He's going to come up with a game plan to make it happen. Now, the one thing for Michigan State that they need to be wary of because they haven't had a full, full team effort in the first two games is not relying on Cassius Winston to do everything. If you allow him to be a distributor, shoot, mix it in, in and out, end up with 18... 10 and 4, you should win hands down. But if you force him to be the offense of the team, you may struggle. Because if if uh, LSU has the ability to either put a large a bigger guard on him or have an offensive guard, which they have some powerful guards that can give him the flux and make him expend more energy than he wants to on defense. It ends up being a different game. I yep. Sp-
0: and this is as far as Michigan State. I've said it for since that first victory over Michigan. You, there are three guys that you have to account for make Michigan State. You name one in uh, Cassius McQuay. And then um the Ford, I can't think of his name right now. Um Ooh, Tillman? Second, no, not Tillman.
1: Go, um, Goins.
0: Yeah, Goins. Because these are the three guys that can hurt you from deep and also find other ways to create within because you're 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 not focused on them. So every game I've seen state struggle kind of take control in. McQuaid has got his 27-point I mean, game against Michigan to win the Big Ten regular season. And going to found. I mean, this just has to be one of the best stories of a, uh, a college player going from a walk-on to an integral part of a team's championship dream. Um, I'm just looking at the rest of that roster Yes, yeah, Nick Ward is back. Xavier Tillman has kind of provided a list but Gordon is the difference maker. He's 6'7", 230, and he's a guy that can't be left open and will shoot. Um, I still don't trust. They Aaron Henry has had his moments, but he's still young. I can, leave him. I can trust him to not be on compared to those other three. But if you if you need those three open, okay, I, I would rather have Henry his mid-range or Stillman, Tillman and Ward get you on the inside and give up a bevy of
1: threes to those other guys. Yeah, you definitely have to pick your poison. Uh, but I just think in this situation, whatever poison that LSU has, unless they just go crazy, it's just not going to match up to the coaching disparity in this game. Uh, and I just have uh, – Uh, Michigan State pulling that one out. Which region you want to... Go ahead with your pick. I'm sorry. sir.
0: Initially, I picked LSU um, in my bracket, but I think just, like you said, the coaching, uh, pedigree of Izzo, and Cassis. I think Cassis is going to come up big again. And for some reason, LSU... I guarantee they've been playing well. For the most part, this, this is going to be the game right. Oh, this is when y'all choose not to show up. And somebody that they, they've been relying on is not going to show up and it's going to
1: cost. That sounds about right. And that will be apropos ending to their season. We're going to go over to the South region right now. In the South region, we have Virginia versus Oregon and uh, Purdue versus Tennessee, with the first matchup with uh, Virginia versus Oregon. Uh, Virginia uh, started off slow, made people think, at least into 10 minutes into the second half of, of, the, of the first game, that they may be a back-to-back uh 116 loser. Um, but they came back, and their matchup in the second round, um, end up just being them overmatching Oklahoma. But I, it's something with Virginia. I, I don't know what it is. And as much as, you know, the recruiting and what Bennett does, if they can't maximize their potential and get to the Final Four or a championship game with the talent that they have, I don't have to start questioning that it. it may be the coaching um because they they have the perfect storm they have the offensive flow they have the defense they have the shooters but you know it just hasn't gotten together and granted yeah there is a a level of uh luck and things that are in there but I see them uh this being the most lopsided uh game in in the sweet 16. Uh, Oregon, again, surprise, a conference tournament winner, uh, the only Pac-12 team left in the tournament out of the two, uh, but I just think that Virginia is just going to have too much for them uh, in this game. I mean, I think it actually may be a lot closer than what people think.
0: Um, Oregon is made up of bunch of pieces. And it just, I've caught some of the UC Urban games, and the name to remember is Peyton Pritchard. Um, the last couple of games, he, he's averaging, he scored the last top games he's at 20, 18, 20, 19, and 18. Uh, and averaged over and had at least five assists in each of those games. So this is the guy that kind of uh, the star that started to drink for Oregon. As he goes, they go. And I've said it, and I've had conversations with you and some other guys offline. Guard play tournament sometimes can, can catapult you in a tournament. And I just think that's like why while, while I'm kind of just switching it to MSU and that other game versus LSU. And because of Cassie uh, Winston's play, I think Pritchett is going to find a way to play, to elevate his his play, and that game is going to be a lot closer. I have Virginia still winning, and I know I said a lot just
1: to have them win, but it's going to go down to the wire. Yeah, and they, they do have five, five players shooting above 30% clip from three-point land, too on Oregon's team. So um, down to the next game, which is Purdue against Tennessee. This was a game, and
0: this I guess this was the performance uh, in the last game um, versus Villanova that we've been looking for out of um, Carson Edwards for a while. This was a guy that we've known, I mean, come being a Big Ten guy, he knew he had this in him, but he hadn't been playing this well in a long time. So for him to draw for of 42, this hasn't been talked about enough as far as in these conversations in this NCAA tournament. Because this is, like I just said, guard play. He had 26 against ODU, but when they lost against Minnesota in the conference tournament, he only had 11 and shot 25% from the field. And the, when as he goes, Purdue goes. And the games that he didn't play well in, they lost. But when he shoots well, and he has he's a little bit better with his shot selection, they go a lot further. And they have, I think with them, they have enough weapons along that roster. When you look at Ryan Klein, the Eastern, Easter, uh, and the big fella up front, they have some pieces that I think that may fluster an undisciplined uh, Tennessee team because they almost gave up the ghost last week. I mean, to Iowa. And I think considering when you look at another Big Ten team, who, who we saw, Iowa is nowhere near the level of talent and, and, and coaching with Matt Painter as Iowa is. So if they if, – Tennessee doesn't come to play. This could be an ugly game in the way of Purdue. That's why
1: I'm going with the Boilermakers. Yeah, this game is really tough. Uh, it is it's a tough matchup where you have, and like you said, an undisciplined Tennessee team that, you know, to, relies on their starters. They got five guys averaging double, di- uh, double digits. Um, and how they played against Iowa, just a tough, gritty team. Purdue... Being able to match them. And, you know, if car if uh Carson gets you know gets hot, it may be problematic. The other issues, you know, I had Tennessee going far further in, in the tournament, but I'm I don't have an issue going against myself because I have no skin in the game in this one. Uh but this one is gonna be close. I think this may be our one shiny moment, and I'm gonna go with one shiny moment with Purdue with with one of my Guys that I disdain because he used to he kills Michigan typically it harms with the game winner so um that's gonna be my pick pick for this one we're gonna move over to the Midwest now with North Carolina versus auburn uh and I'll take this one first so with this uh I think Auburn again like you said being number five and being like the Cinderella. Uh, I think Charles Barkley's picture prior to uh, them almost winning the game with all the balloons and all the other things uh, is kind of how this is going to play itself out is that Auburn is just happy to be there. Uh, Again, the potential they can build from this, but UNC and that high-paced offense uh, be able to kill you so many different ways. I mean, at one point in time, they were putting up shots like every eight seconds. going to be hard-pressed to stop that unless you get them in foul trouble. So I think this one is going to be a barn burner for UNC. Yeah, I think, once
0: again, guard play. Uh, they have the, the weapons at that position. And I think Auburn has been playing on borrowed time. They were supposed to lose to New Mexico State. and. Somehow, New Mexico State decided to get the game back not one time, not twice, but three times. I think UNC has a better collection of talent. And quite as it's kept, Mr. Little has been coming on lately. He had a 20-point game during the tournament. This has been an opportunity for him to show NBA scouts that he is ready and has the skill set needed to be, a if not a lottery pick, a top
1: taking the NBA draft this year. All right. The, not the last game in the Midwest we have uh, Kentucky versus Houston. Um, in this game, I think with or without P.J. Washington, I think Kentucky has just gotten to the end of the road. It's the way that Houston plays the game. UK has been inconsistent this season up and down. Uh, and I just think how they played Hell they almost lost to Wolford uh in the in the round of thirty-two. So I have Houston with the I guess it would be a upset, three two upset in this one. Yeah, I think um it's
0: gonna be tough with TJ there, but if TJ's not playing, yes I don't see uh Kentucky being able to carry this out. Um Houston once in. Uh, I'm going to keep saying it till I, I've been proven wrong. Uh, Corey Davis, at point
1: guard, is going to be the deciding factor, and that's going to be the thing that carries them to the upset victory. All right. To the West, we go. Uh, the uh, one-four matchup, Gonzaga versus Florida State. Um, the Zags have executed you know, again, people always question uh what they can do or what they are being uh a mid-major, but to me they're not a mid-major. They're just in a mid-major conference because they get transfers, they get uh, you know, guys that develop. Uh and they're a tough team to match up against. Um and you know, and these guys average eighty-eight points a game. So you're gonna have to stop them now. I think Florida State is a team that's built to stop them with the length that they have, Um, but they really need to um, come together. Of course, they've had uh, a a little tragedy with the death of of Kofers dad, Mike Kofor, former Lions. Kofor will not be with them even though he's been injured a little bit this season already. And I just think that Florida State has to play a perfect game, not get in foul trouble in order to get this victory. And I just don't think that they are going to be able to pull this one out. I think it's going to be a tough game. Gonzaga may be down at the half, but I think the second half adjustments will force Florida State to uh, play outside of itself. And Gonzaga will go on to the lead eight.
0: Um I think this is where we part ways on some of the continuity. I I think the size and the length of Florida State matches up well enough yep. with the dagger where someone else is gonna to have to step up that isn't really that hasn't been called on and what have I been saying, guard play. Uh parents, man is gonna be the guy. That's going to be had 18 last game against uh, Murray State. He's going to be a guy. He's not the point guard, so he's kind of a deviation, but he's that guy that's an awesome ball guy that can generate his own shot and can create some things. I guess my only worry about Florida State is they're not really a great three-point shooter, but they have enough length. And I think offensive rebound is going to be key for them. Last week they had fifteen against fifteen of their thirty, no, fifteen of their forty-five rebounds on offense on the offensive side of the ball. So if they can create multiple shots, multiple opportunities, that's going to be the catalyst for upset. I'm calling for the uh, Seminoles to win. All
1: right, And the last matchup in the um, Sweet Sixteen, Michigan versus Texas Tech. Um. I'll go first with this. Um, These are arguably the two best defensive teams uh, left in the tournament. Uh, The offensive output from Michigan in the tournament has been balanced. But again, no star, nobody has stepped up to be the leader. You have three people that have potential to be able to do that with Iggy, Matthews, and pull but is anyone going to do it do they need someone to do it to be able to pull through the the red raiders uh, a victory against the red raiders um red raiders offense flows through their guards um and michigan is a good guarding uh, a good defense regarding guards and forcing guys teams to do things that they don't want to they're excellent against defending the three Averaging only giving up six threes a game, uh, made threes a game, even though in the last game they gave up more than that. Uh, but I just think that, you know, wearing down of two defenses, it, it comes to uh, you know, to, to the coaching. And I find it hard-pressed uh over the last three years to find any game. Well, I can say two at least. Only two games that I can say that at the end of the day, John Beeline got outcoached. Now, again, execution is execution. If I had to put some money on this, I couldn't bet on the Wolverines, I don't think, based on what I saw. Granted, they won. they, They finished it. But they have had a knack this season, with the exception of Michigan State, in big games putting up big performances. Now, what they tend to do in big games, too, is having a fast start and then limping their way to the finish line. And if that's how they start, if they get the limping, they're going to be limping all the way back to Ann Arbor. I still don't know what to call this. I'm going to flip the coin, and I'm going to do this. I'm just going to be mad. I, I got This is what I have in my bracket. I got Texas Tech with the win. I'm going to stick with Texas Tech until Michigan can show me something different. Um, I guess I'm going to be the homer.
0: Um, this is an opportunity. You give John Beeline a whole week to game plan against a team that is led by a guard, and, and you have opportunity for Charles Matthews, who, who's the X Factor. Because even against Michigan State, he got hurt the first game, missed the second game, and the third game, he still wasn't completely healthy. He showed in the first round against uh, Memphis, he's back to where he's able to create his own shots and, and be a defensive uh, stalwart that a lot of people have called him to be throughout the season. I think him checking uh, Culver from Texas Tech is going to be the X factor. And I got a feeling Jordan Poole is going to find some magic and, and, and play one of his best games of the season.
1: Against the Texas Tech and Michigan is going to uh, pull us pull us out. Okay, I, I can't blame that. Uh, I, I can't be mad at that at that outlook. So, so with that, I guess we need to do our Final Four teams. Um, yeah, we're not here. So we're gonna go over this much quicker because otherwise we'll be back to our two hour shows. So in the uh, in the East. Uh, I have Duke versus Michigan State. I think that this is the opportunity and the only place in in the tournament where Duke can lose, and I do have them losing. I just think that the difference makers in Michigan State and Izzo being able to control certain aspects of the game, and I think he has the ability, at least in in this weekend out of the teams that they have is to use the mantra that you had is let Zion do his thing and to stop everybody else. I think that they have the best opportunity to do that out of the teams that Duke would potentially face this week uh, to do that. And I got Michigan State going on to the final. Well, um, if Coach Izzo has had one one career night, his whole
0: career has been going to the um, I don't know what it is. He just finds a way of not being able to find the right match up to get the right execution. And unfortunately for those in East Lansing and, and fans of green and white, that continues this weekend. Um, I just think Duke finds a way of getting it done, and they're going to try to live by that mantra of letting uh Zion get his, but Baird. Gonna
1: find some way. Maybe because he takes, he's gonna take a lot of shots. He's gonna end up being the leading scorer in that game. Okay. Moving on to the south. Is it the south? No. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. To the south. So I have Virginia versus. Oh, who did I have? Did I? Have, oh, Purdue. So Virginia versus mm-hmm. Purdue. I think this is where the engine, the Boilermakers, run out of coal. And Virginia, I think this would be a a full rebound for them from being the first one 16 to bounce back to, I mean to be bounced to go into the sweet 16. I just think Edwards has to continue to to produce at the level that he has for the, for them to to advance that far uh, as far as they can. I mean, it's, uh further than the Elite Eight. And I just don't see it happening. I see Virginia kind of opening up a a diverse can of whoop ass on, on Purdue by just spreading the ball and getting a lot of guys opportunities to uh, to score. So I have Virginia going into the final four. Um, I guess we're going to be on the opposite end again. I
0: think the combination of Matt Harms and Carson Edwards is going to win.
1: Once again, cause disappointment in Charlottesville. I got the Brooklyn Bankers representing the Big Ten going to the Final Four. All right. Oh, that was the Midwest. Nothing. Or whatever it Oh, it is. Now we're going to the Midwest with I have North Carolina versus Houston. Um, in this game, I think again, Houston playing—they're going to have a hard time playing at the pace that North Carolina wants to play at. North Carolina has a lot of weapons. They use defense to set up the offense. They like to score and half-court offense uh, inside of 20 seconds. Uh, I just think they're going to outrun Houston uh, in this and head on to another Final Four. Well, I agree with you, man. For me, because um, I know you
0: picked Michigan State, this would be the first time that you in North Carolina have an opportunity to face
1: each other. Uh, yeah. based off in the, in the Final Four. Uh, I mean, that's, that's an indicator who I got going for the championship game. Yeah. But don't reveal that. We'll, we'll talk
0: about that in the next episode. <laughs> next
1: week. Right. So now to the West, where I have Gonzaga versus Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech, again, uh, this is probably the... Gonzaga is probably the, the, the number one and number two of the Sweet 16 as far as offense is concerned. And Texas Tech, with Michigan being bounces, uh, the best defense. Uh, Gonzaga is going to have a hard time getting to uh, that 88 point piece, but I don't see uh, Texas Tech slimming it down to a point of 20 points below that, and That's what they need to do in order to pull off this victory. So, I have the Zags trying to set make history again by winning the championship. So, Zags in the Final Four. Okay. Um, I had a complete opposite Final Four. I mean, uh, yeah, you did.
0: Regional Final, uh,
1: Michigan versus Florida State rematch.
0: I mean, that we had. My tanner versus Michigan in the first round, so why not keep it going uh this year? Um I just think Michigan knowing their opponent and especially uh having more time to refocus and you giving V line an opportunity. Yes, the the pieces are a little bit different, but I think Michigan still has enough to carry themselves, and levers is gonna be another uh Integral part of that. He stepped up last week against Florida State. He's going to step up his back. Michigan to the second
1: pick, second pick in the final four. All right. So we have our final four picks. And of course, it may be all in shambles, but I have, just a recap, I have Michigan State going up against Gonzaga and on one side and the other side, Virginia versus UNC. So. And Q, you have again, I know it's Michigan versus... uh, Duke versus Michigan. Uh, Purdue versus North Carolina. So, there we have, and this is, I can't even remember, but Duke versus Michigan. That, 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 That story history has been a while outside of the ACC Big Ten, but it also brings back to those those five five days when you say that matchup when it comes to the final four or just the tournament alone yeah. and uh we definitely oh owe, owe them one uh, the old North Carolina won too from that even though the whooping that we put on them this year is nothing unless it happens in the championship game so um with that folks this is this is wraps up this episode of the sports q a podcast episode number seven. Make sure that you follow us on uh, all of the streaming uh, avenues Anchor, iPad, I mean, iPad, Apple, (laughs) uh, Spotify, radio.com. And on Anchor, if you subscribe to us, it'll automatically email you and let you know once we post it. This will be posted tonight. Make sure you share, share, share. Make sure you follow us on. Social media on Instagram, sports underscore QA. On Facebook, sports uh sports a group. Also on Twitter, sports underscore QA. And make sure you check out the website, sports Q-A-N-D-A dot com. That's sports Q-A-N-D-A. Is that right? A-N-D, yeah. A.com. That is correct. I was doing it so fast, I couldn't even hear myself. And make sure that you follow us, check us out. Uh, and share with us via our social media who your th- or who your picks are before the games. Don't wait until after the games to share your Final Four. Share them before. Hold on to it. And we will give you an update on where people are placed uh, in the Sports Q&A Bracket Challenge. Uh, and you'll hear from us uh, sooner than later next week before the Final Four matchups and see how we fared. And of course, any pertinent news that comes out from that. So with that, we will holla at you all later on. Peace in the Middle East. Holla holla holla.